All right, so for today, we're going to get to the last part of our daily peace plan. Uh, turn the Bible with me, if you have a Bible there, to Matthew chapter 5. And what I want to show you today is that the peace that God offers us is not just designed to be facing us. That is, God gives you peace so that you can be a peacemaker. God changes your life and gives you transformational hope and power because he wants you to share that with other people. Uh, God loves you, and he wants you to share his love with others. God gives you the gospel, and he wants you to share that with others. So as we encounter peace, as we start recognizing how much Jesus has done for us, we also now are empowered to say, okay, Lord, how do you want me to start extending peace? So that's where we'll end up today. But I wanted to review uh, one last review of this road that we're building from wherever we're starting from to a place of peace. And it starts with this choice. I'm going to choose to invest my hope in God. There's lots of things you can put your hope into, but all of them are changing. I mean, you think about it. If you anchor yourself, if you anchor your well-being to something in this world, that something is eventually going to change. Even if it feels solid to you now, Nothing in this world is guaranteed, and everything in this world eventually changes. But when you anchor your hope in God, when you put your hope in God, then even though you might go through tough times in this world, nothing can ultimately discourage you because your courage, your hope, is being drawn from something that hasn't changed, and that's, that's the Lord. So then the second choice builds off of that. I choose to trust God's narrative about my future. So you're thinking ahead, saying, even if my, my present doesn't look so good, I believe in God's future for me, and on that basis, I can still have hope, and I can still rest in peace. The third choice is choosing a diet of thoughts that will lead me toward peace. So this is the narrative in our mind, that if we're constantly thinking about conflict, or if we're thinking about the things that frustrate us or anger us, like that, well, that's not the road to peace. If you want peace, you have to do what Philippians 4.8 teaches, and that is set your mind on the things that are pure and lovely and right. In fact, you fix your mind on Jesus instead of all the challenges of this world. It doesn't make the challenge go away, but it does change your perspective on it. The fourth choice that Pastor Dell walked through with us a few weeks ago, choosing to rest on purpose so that we can run with peace. And a lot of people who are deficient in peace, like if they just say, man, my life's filled with tension or stress or I'm overwhelmed or I'm depressed or whatever, there, there could be lots of reasons for that, right? There could be lots of external factors, but a really obvious reason to check in on is are you actually getting enough rest? Because if you're not resting, ultimately you're going to run out of steam. And that's going to manifest itself in the feeling of being overwhelmed or anxious or upset. And so choosing to rest on purpose, saying, hey, the, the rhythm of weekly rest, the, the rhythm of daily rest, getting enough sleep, those kinds of things are all part of the equation that help us have a peaceful heart, a good sense of well-being. I choose to interview my emotions instead of reacting to them. So we learned about the story of Cain and how, and there's other stories in the Bible that are in that category as well, where you see people who had a, they, they felt something, but then they took that feeling, they ran the wrong direction with it, and catastrophe came to their lives and the lives of others as a result, versus saying, hey, if I'm feeling anxious or frustrated or if I'm upset about something, I need to interview that. I need to think about what that is. What, what is the signal? What's it actually teaching me? And now, Lord, what, what do you want me to do with that? How do you want me to grow through that? Last week, we talked about choosing to believe that even my troubles can be made valuable by God. 
So sometimes when you go through hard times, you feel like you're wasting time. You feel like your life is set back. But the truth is that even the setbacks we face on a human level, God can bring value to those, and God can make value out of the, the ashes and the trials of our lives. And so we trust God with those things, especially when we don't understand why they're having to happen. We say, Lord, I, I trust in your love more than I trust in my own understanding. So here's the final choice. If you're walking down this road and you say, I want to live a peaceful life, you notice the first six choices more or less are things that are happening inside of you. As decisions you're making, heart attitudes, ways that you're thinking, things you're choosing to believe. Here's the last choice that takes it beyond us. I choose to be known as a peacemaker in my world. I choose to be known as a peacemaker in my world. Now, we could say a peacemaker in the world, and that would be true, but it would be kind of general, right? You say, I'm a peacemaker in the world. The world's full of chaos and war and anger. Don't really know how much good I can do. But if you're a peacemaker in your world, that does sort of bring it down into focus a little bit, doesn't it? So what is in your world? It's a little different than my world. In my world, I've got family that surrounds me and extended family and work associates and community engagements. And there's things that I'm a part of that you're not a part of. There's things you're a part of that the person sitting next to you isn't a part of. In your world, like where God has put you, your mission, your identity is to not just be a person of peace, but to be a peacemaker. And so you look at your world and you say, well, Lord, you've called me to walk in peace. You've called me to have peace in my heart. You've given me the gift of your grace to make that possible, but I don't want it to just stop with me. I want your peace, Lord, to flow through me to impact other people. So what we're going to spend our time on today is learning how we do that. How could you be known as a peacemaker in your world? And by the way, um, part of my career, I've been an editor, and there's, there's a little phrase in here that's intentional that wouldn't actually have to be there. So those of you editors, you can point it out there. I, I italicized it for you. The sentence would still work if you took be known as out of it, right? You could just say, I choose to be a peacemaker in my world. Sounds good. Here's why we added be known as, because you might think you're a peacemaker and not actually be one, okay? You could be a bull in a china shop thinking you're out there making peace uh, by making sure everyone knows your opinion, <laughs> or, you know, you say, well, if I just got what I wanted, the world would be fine, so I'm going to go push hard for it. That's not really what Jesus is saying when he calls us to be peacemakers. So the question is not, do you fancy yourself as a peacemaker? The question is, do the people around you identify you as a peacemaker? So would they say, wow, when Sally enters the room, the temperature goes down? And when Joe speaks up, I know he's going to give us a fresh perspective, and, and he's, he's helping, he's guiding us the right direction. When you walk into the room, do you bring peace with you, and do other people see that and feel that? That's what Jesus has called us to be, not just we're making peace by, you know, posting our strongest thoughts and then, I don't know, walking away. Uh, instead, this is, this, is an, this is a proactive engagement where you're actually bringing peace into situations that otherwise would have turmoil or conflict or pressure. Okay, so that's, that's the premise here. 
You say, well, how in the world would we do that? Especially if you look in the mirror and you go, I think I actually need peacemakers in my life. I'm not sure that I'm the peacemaker. I might be the person they're talking about that peace has to be made with. So if that's you, there's a little bit of hope here, and we're going to start in Matthew 5 and read what Jesus said. I remember when Jesus um, started speaking in Matthew 5, this was toward the beginning of his ministry, and you could almost look at the words he's about to speak here as like a kickoff to a new kind of message, a new kind of life for God's people. That up until this time, people who were following God would look back to the Old Testament narrative of law, and they would see principles in that, and they would try to live by those, but the world was not, they weren't, their hearts weren't being transformed by the law. The law was just showing them the problem, <laughs> that they were far from the standard. Jesus comes along and says, I want, to, I want to speak in a way that's going to transcend the law and the sense that there's some sort of rule that you keep and that, that works. No, there's more to it. There's actually a heart attitude behind all of this. And he really turns some of our assumptions about life upside down. So Matthew 5, verse 1. One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Some translations of that say God blesses or blessed are the poor in spirit, right? the people that are humble, not the people who are braggadocious, the people who are proving their point, the people who think that they're okay, the people who think that they're rich. No, God is blessing and using people who have a humble heart. Verse 4, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice or righteousness, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. You are the salt of the earth. But what is good as salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So Jesus not only is sort of turning a lot of our natural-born assumptions around, right? Natural-born assumptions in a fallen world would be if you, you know, scratch and claw and fight, you'll get ahead, that the people who are tougher will win in the end, that the people who... Uh, that can achieve popularity, that they're the people that are really blessed. That's what the world would think, right? That's what you would naturally think. But Jesus said, in my kingdom, it's different. It's all the opposite. 
It's the humble and the meek that end up inheriting the earth, that are blessed by God. It's the people who are peacemakers, not warmongers, that end up conquering in the end, that end up uh, winning the story in the, in the long-range future. Jesus said, if you're the person who's being persecuted, you should be glad because it actually means you're on the right track. And then he says that you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Calling us to a proactive version of faith. It's not that we sort of find Jesus and then hide in the corner or let it all be in our heart, but it's really, really private to us. No, when, when God works in your heart, it changes the world, it flavors the world, it lights the world. And I don't know about you, but I look at the world right now, I think the world really needs some salt and light. You agree with that? Like the world really needs peacemakers, pure in heart, humble, willing to do what's right at any cost type people. The world really needs someone to live the Beatitudes, which is what this section is called, and take it to the world in a loving way so that people can see the good deeds. They can see the different life and go, okay, I see that there's a different way to live, that this world system is broken, that this, the, the, the ethics I grew up with are fallen, that I, there's something more to life than what I've experienced. And living the Jesus way is how we share salt and light with the world. So you say, well, what does the world really need? And I think we would all agree, like at one level we could say, well, the world needs the gospel, right? The good news about Jesus. The world needs the Bible and the message of the Bible. But it's interesting to note that Jesus did not say the Bible is the salt of the earth and the Bible is the light of the world. I mean, if he would have said that, I think we all would have like gone, hmm, that sounds correct. But the Bible isn't those things. What is those things? You. You and me. So if you would say that the transformational truth in the Bible is what the world needs, then somehow that truth has to be so ingrained in the way that you're living that you actually become that truth for people. So that even if they never read the Bible, they still can get salt and light in their life. That the first exposure to Jesus that person might ever have is you. The first read of the Bible's message that that person ever encounters could be your attitude or your lifestyle, the way that you present yourself, the way that you follow these principles. So your life matters the way you live your life is how you'll shine light to the world. So I wanted to zero in, kind of obviously, on verse 9, right? Because that's the, that's the place where these Beatitudes start to go out toward others. You know, the, the mourners are comforted and the, the people who are thirsting for justice, they're satisfied. But here are people who, it's not just in their own heart that they're experiencing peace. They're actually the people who are making peace, they're doing something in the world to change the situations they're in. When there's conflict, when there's tension, when there's anger, uh, when there's disagreement, when there's dysfunction, there are people out there who are on the sidelines of all that. They might have peace, but they're not peacemaking. But when you step into those situations as a Christian, your job, your role, is to be the peacemaker. 
Okay, so again, you say that sounds really good. Sounds like our world needs that. How do we do it? Okay, so let me just make it really, really clear in case you're sleeping. The world desperately needs you, men and women, of peace to proactively make peace. Like the need is pretty pronounced, wouldn't you say? Can you think of any sphere of the world right now, any circle where you'd say that is defined by peacefulness? So you start broad and zoom in. Uh, global geopo- geopolitical relationships. How's that doing? Peaceful? No, in fact, you know, worse than usual, or maybe not worse than usual, but worse than lately. Like, it feels like every day. Like, you think about this, it honestly wouldn't surprise any of us if we got home and turned on the news and some horrible catastrophe had happened and now some other country is at war, right? That would not be a surprise. In fact, we're all kind of waiting, like, well, when is that going to happen? That's how bad the geopolitical situation is. So you say, well, how about in America? Cultures aren't at peace with each other. Communities aren't at peace with each other. You go all the way down to your household. Say, is there peace under your roof? Is your household defined by peaceful interaction one to another? Now, it's possible you're out there going, Dan, I really don't even know what you're talking about. My house is completely peaceful. And I would say, okay, that's great. Praise the Lord. I would like to invite you over for dinner at my house. So that you can experience a little of what this is all about. So obviously, in every situation we go into, there is a lack of peace, right? And and that peace is not going to fix it. Like it's peace doesn't just sort of naturally occur if we ignore the situation. If we ignore the situation, generally the problems get worse. Somebody has to step in and make peace. And who will that be? It needs to be the people who are the salt and light of the world, the people who carry in their hearts the seeds of this new kingdom that changes everything. So that's me and that's you. As messed up as our own lives all are, right, and as far from the ideals as we might say we are, we're the people that have the salt and the light to share with the world. So ready or not, you're a peacemaker. So how will we do it? And you think about, well, all the spheres of life, obviously there's problems, there's lack of peace. I look at that last one and think, I think that's the most fundamental, that between, that, you know, you can talk about trying to help people hold hands or help groups get together, or help marriages restore, it's all, that's all great. But the, the real reason there's so much tension in the world is because people aren't at peace with God. And as long as they're separated from God, they'll never actually experience the harmony of what they were created to be. And so there'll always be division and problems unless they're at peace with God. So you start there and you say, okay, I'll do the best I can with like human peace, like people being peaceful to each other. But the, the, the number one thing that we can do to spread peace is help people reconcile with God, just like someone helped us. Well, when the Apostle Paul said that we're ambassadors for Christ, he said God has given us this ministry of reconciliation, helping, oh, God has made the move to send Jesus and make, a, make a, an opportunity available for us to come to him. So now we're out there heralding that message, inviting people to come close to Jesus. And as a result of that, they find peace with God, and then they can find all sorts of peace in their relationships that they didn't know was possible. So there's lots of ways that we can start this process. And I was thinking about what you have to have if you want to step into a situation and be a peacemaker. 
So the first one is you have to have a clear center. So I don't know how many of you, I won't even ask how many of you are because I'll just say I am. I'm an armchair diplomat. Some people are armchair quarterbacks or whatever. But I, I, I watch like the big peace deals that happen out there and think, I could have made a better deal than that. What's, what's wrong with people out there? Like the, this, this doesn't have to be that complicated. And, uh, and so here you are, you know, maybe you get recruited by the State Department to head over to you know, some country that's in the middle of civil war or something, or maybe you're on the task force to go meet in Kiev with the leaders of Ukraine and the Russian delegation or something, and, and, and you're sitting down as the peacemaker. Well, what do you have to have in order to even start that discussion? I say, well, you've got to have a clear center. You have to have moral authority. Like, in other words, if you're one of the people causing the problem, you don't have any ability to be a peacemaker in the middle of it. And, and so right away you say, well, as a Christian, I can't, be, I can't jump in and take a side and then expect to be able to bring peace. Uh, a larger purpose. You have to be beyond your own interests. So it can't be that you're at the table because like, you're trying to get your way too. That just makes you another one of the people that peace needs to be made between. Uh, when you step above all of that and you say, no, there's a bigger narrative here and I want to help people end up in the right solution. A willingness to engage. So obviously, if you, if you step back from problems, you can't be a peacemaker. You have to walk into them. A better vision. So usually division or tension, if you think about it, is driven by somebody's idea that they're going to get what they want by being angry or mean or whatever. And so you have to come in with a different vision, a different path forward for that situation. As crazy as it is, some people think that by like yelling and screaming, that's like a good strategy to get what they want. It's honestly the it's really a pretty dumb strategy. It's not, it's not going to work, right? Um, but that's what people are sometimes wired to think. So you say, I have to come in with a better vision. I can't join that. And then a path forward. So when I look at that, that's what a peacemaker needs. Then I would say, well, has God given me this? Like, do we have the ability to be peacemakers? Well, absolutely we do. Like, God has given us transformation in our own lives. Not perfection, like you're not starting with moral authority like you're better than everybody else. You're saying, no, I've, I've, I've experienced problems too. God is teaching me how to walk through those. And so on that basis, like that's where my authority comes from to talk about this. And, and we're going to step outside of the actual disagreement here and talk about the larger purpose and the bigger vision. One of the ways that this kind of has, I think, helped me make this really practical and even personal, like when I'm in my household or when I'm, you know, in just any, there's tension everywhere, right? There's situations you run into, sometimes even in public, where you're like, wow, somebody, somebody needs to make peace in this situation. Here, here are a couple of the metaphors that go through my mind that help me think about my job as a Christian peacemaker. Okay, one is to be a bridge builder. So th there are two parties that are separated. There's a chasm between them. There's a disagreement. I can't necessarily fix their problems. I might not even understand their problems. But to the extent possible, if I can build a bridge that they can walk across, that's, that's a helpful thing to do. So you might say, instead of jumping in and taking a side and getting angry along with somebody, say, how could I build a bridge in this scenario? Um, as maybe Jesus would. As a peacemaker, I'm a vision caster. I was talking to a friend a few weeks ago. He was going through some tensions and problems and... Uh, he said to me in the middle of this phone call we were doing, he said, you know, you're the only person who's giving me another perspective on this. So everybody else that was in his life was a part of the problem that he was facing. And so 
no one else in the situation was giving him, a, like, was even saying, like, hey, what if it's this way? Or what if, you know, you're, you're thinking this, but maybe it isn't that way. Maybe it means this. Like, just, just helping cast a vision for what might be different, just shifting the perspective. He didn't have anybody in his life doing that. And, and so I couldn't fix his problem, but just by asking questions, I didn't even have the answer to his problem, just asking him questions to think about things from a new vision or new perspective, uh, that was really helpful for him, and he said there was nobody else in his life doing that. Uh, so you might say, hey, I don't think I have the wisdom to be some sort of you know, official peacemaker, conflict resolution counselor or something. Okay, well, you could start by asking questions just to help people think clearly. Um, a table setter. I really like this one because I think, you know, I can't make people eat, can't make people do something, but you can set the table for them to have an experience of, of peace, right? And so... You just say, sometimes you're in a situation and you think, okay, Lord, I, I can't fix this, but is there any way I could help set the table for a better outcome than what is apparently going to happen here? Uh, perspective giver and uh, attention reducer. I'm sure there's a medication that says it does that, but you can do that too. Um, you can reduce tension. So sometimes I'll think about that when I am in a tense situation. Is I'll, I'll just think, okay, is there any way I can reduce the tension? Like, it's, you're not really even in problem-solving mode necessarily. You're just saying the temperature in this situation is too high, and it's time to cool everything down. It's time to calm down. And, and when you start thinking about yourself as that, here, here's what it does. It not only might actually help the other people involved reduce tension if you come in and you're calm. The other thing is it, it actually helps preserve your peace. Because if you jump into a tense situation and you join the tension you just lost your sense of well-being too, right? But by saying, I'm a tension reducer, it just gives you this narrative in your head that you can walk into a tough situation and go, okay, um, maybe you have a side. Like, maybe you really agree with one of the parties and you disagree with the other party and you think somebody's right, somebody's wrong. You can still walk in and say, in this situation, my goal is to reduce the tension, help adjust the perspective, be a peacemaker the way Jesus would be. The last one, the most important one, is to be a gospel witness, right? Because in, in, any, in any environment where there's division, the thing that's needed the most is, is for people to have an encounter with God, for people to encounter Jesus and have him change their heart, their perspective, to give them the power to forgive or the power to show grace or the power to start over again. And, and that comes through being a gospel witness. So it might be that your job as a peacemaker in a situation is not to broker some big deal or light up a bunch of counseling sessions or something. It might just be as simple as saying, here's, the, here's my testimony of how God changed my life when I had situations like that happen. Here's, here's what happens. Here, here's, how, here's how God helps me. You be a witness to that uh, as a first step. So I wanted to encourage you with this scripture as we conclude this series on peace um, to sense that the peace we have in our heart is the beginning, but it also leads to a mission that we get to live for. It, it leads to hope and healing even for the world. So here's the scripture. Uh, now may the God of peace who brought up Jesus, or who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. And again, the editor in me looks at that verse and says, okay, there's a, 
you know, there's a big kind of parenthesis there between the hyphens that's all describing the God of peace, right? But if you look at the core sentence of the first verse there, here, here's, here it is. Now may the God of peace equip you with all you need for doing his will, for all you need for the mission you have for your life. So you go, okay, the world needs salt and light. God has given me that task. I'm supposed to live as a peacemaker. I'm supposed to bring light and flavor into situations I otherwise would have none. Um, Lord, I don't even know where to begin. And so then we turn to this. We say, God of peace. Like, you have peace. You know how to make peace. Lord, you have all the power. Would you give me, would you equip me with everything I need to do your will? So you're going to school tomorrow. You say, Lord, I'm going to walk into a situation and I know there's a bunch of tension. I know there's a bunch of problems. I mean, who knows? Depending on the school you go to, there might even be fights, literal fights that are happening. You go, Lord, in those situations, would you help me to have wisdom and to be a peacemaker? Um, maybe you're going to go home today and you're going to face tension in your household. You say, Lord, would you give me wisdom to understand people, to be a peacemaker? Um, Lord, would you equip me with what I'll need to do your will? And the more that you take on this identity of thinking of yourself as a peacemaker, the more I believe God will give you the power to do it, but the more peace you'll experience as a result. And this is, where, this is why this is the last step on the road to our own peace, is that once we take on this identity of peacemaker to be what we think of ourselves as, we're now stepping back from like kind of jumping inside the conflicts and having our own problems, and we're saying, okay, Lord, I realize my calling my purpose in life is bigger than just winning some sort of an argument. Um, in fact, I'm here to bring light and help and hope to the world. So I wanted to pray for you as fellow peacemakers. And as we wrap up, um, I kind of wish that there was time that I could sit down with each one of you and say, hey, what, you know, what conflict are you experiencing or what challenges are right near to you in your job or your, at your school or in your family that you need grace for, that you need prayer for, that you're walking into and you're going to have to apply this principle. Obviously, we don't have time to do that, so I'll pray for everybody together. Um, but I, I think about how I know that just in this room, like we'll walk into dysfunctional family relationships this week, we'll walk into businesses that have, you know, employee-to-employee -employee problems, we'll, we'll walk into schools that have challenges will walk into the grocery store or walk down the street and meet people that have problems. That's going to be all over the place. Um, you get to be Jesus in that situation. So the, 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 second, or the, the first best thing would be a problem erupts and Jesus himself physically appears and helps those people. But since that doesn't happen, at least not very often, guess what the second best option is? It's you physically being Jesus in the middle of that situation and being one of his peacemakers, his ambassadors, who helps change the equation of that conflict. You know, if we do that on a personal level, family level, that'll have trickle-up effects to the whole world. Say, I can't fix what's going on across the globe, but I can start by being a peacemaker here, right where I am. And one person of peace leading to another maybe would change the world. So let's pray and ask for God's help as we all do that together. Uh, Jesus, I think about every one of my brothers and sisters in the room. I pray that you would give 
each one of them equipping for the task that you'll present them with this week. Lord, you have a will for them to accomplish, a purpose, a mission, and it involves bringing love and peace into a world that is desperately in need of it. So I pray that, first of all, we as a church family, uh, Lord, that we would have the courage and the perspective that would allow us to walk into those difficult situations, not to hide from them. I pray that you would give us a clear sense of identity, Lord, that you as our God, the God of peace, have commissioned us to extend peace all around us. You've given us everything we need. I pray that you would help us uh, to take action with what you've given us. Lord, if there's a bridge that needs to be built, a tension that needs to be reduced, a perspective that needs to be shifted, a vision that needs to be cast, whatever the case may be, Lord, would you plant those seeds in our minds? Would you help us to take this responsibility seriously? Lord, I look around Berrien County, I look around America, I think about the whole rest of the world, and think how desperately in this moment, in 2023, we need a surge of peacemaking and we need a transformational movement. Lord, we pray for that. We ask you for that. And we recognize that in the midst of any big movement for change are individual people who are making the right decisions. And we know that's us. So would you help us when we go home today, when we go to work tomorrow, when we engage in whatever activities we have planned for this week, Lord, to walk into those situations ready to bring peace with us. And by doing so, Lord, we pray that that really would change the direction of our world. We commit all this to you in Jesus' name.